Hi there, this is Boggle Docs, the podcast that equips you to be prepared for patients consulting about current sizzling media issues. I'm Dr Nick Kendrew, a GP with a keen interest in how medicine is covered in the media and how we can use that to make both our patients and our own lives easier. Stay tuned as we discuss difficult conversations and stigma. This is what's coming up. Do you think that that maybe young girls or parents would would come to us having started their conversation, having seen this film? I think that anything that normalises processes that are difficult to discuss or that there's taboos about or that there's stigma surrounding is um, a good thing. Anything that makes people more comfortable um, in approaching the people they care about or, or health professionals if they're able to give help um, uh, in order to to find out a bit more, educate themselves about it and get help that they need is, is good. I think that in terms of whether that's the message the film was trying to broadcast, that's open for interpretation. My, my personal interpretation is that um, it's more about the transition from child to adolescent to adult and how you change your perspective changes how's, and how that can conflict with uh, the aspirations that your parents have for you um, and uh, how you thought life would be once you uh, became an adolescent. Boggle dogs. Amongst other things, we'll be discussing neurodiversity, how a new diagnosis can be upsetting and how compassion is so important to anyone who's had a challenge to their self-image. But for now, let's start things off in the usual way with a smile. This was the week that Thomas, aged 12, who was a pupil of Durham Trinity School and Sports College, sent a handwritten letter to the Ukrainian president through supplies which were donated by his school. This was sent through a convoy driven in a cattle truck to a refugee reception centre last month in Poland. He unexpectedly got a reply from the president, Vladimir Zelensky, which said, thank you for your support. I'm OK and thank you for your help. We hope to bring peace to Ukraine and food to the citizens of all the country and rebuild the towns. What you say in your letter and what the United Kingdom does to support brings a smile to my face and to many others. And this is Boggle Dogs. Hello and welcome to your happy place. With that feeling that you get when you are all unpacked in your new house. I know. Um, if it was down to me entirely, then this feeling would be several months down the line. But anyway, we are here to keep you going during these difficult times as we take a more human approach to the medical world and learn something along the way. Boggle Docs is the podcast for GPs and allied healthcare professionals that's accessible to everyone. It takes the pulse of the nation by looking at medicine in the media and uses that information as a springboard to help you target your CPD. And all of this is aimed at giving us the heads up so that we might have an inkling of what might be on our patients' problem lists so that we know what we need to know. Please follow and rate this podcast because that's really important for all the algorithms in the world of podcasting. Boggle Dogs with Dr. Nick Kendrew. And this week I'm joined by Dr. Nathan Gillick. Uh, hi, Nathan. How are you? Hi, Nick. I'm fine, thank you. As Nick said, I'm Dr. Nathan Gillick. I'm a GP uh, registrar, which is a GP in training, currently working in Darley Dale on the Chesterfield GP training programme. 
And so you're an ST3 from Chesterfield and the Derbyshire Dales GP Speciality Training Programme. And the reason for that is because the ST3s from Chesterfield and Derbyshire Dales GP Speciality Training Programme are the guest editors of the podcast this week. And so all of their input has been put into what you actually hear this week. So thank you to all of them um, for all their input today and to you, Nathan, for being my guest today. So Nathan, I just wondered if I could ask you, do you have any kind of life hacks that are getting you through the day at the moment? Uh, sure. So um, the first one is an infinite number of lists to remember everything I have to do at work. Uh, and the second is um, sometimes when you have been seeing an awful lot of patients and you have an awful lot to do, um, it can feel a little overwhelming. And I find that just uh, settling down with some classical music and some noise cancelling headphones just to sort of zone everything else out works really well. Excellent. That's good to hear. And um, I wonder if we were watching a musical of your life what song would be being performed at the moment? Uh, you see, I, I knew you would ask this, um, <laughs> and I don't really watch musicals, so I'm going to cheat and do two. Okay. So um, the first one is a song that happens to have then been and then, in, then incorporated into a musical, which is probably Don't Stop Me Now by Queen, okay. just because there's a lot of energy and positivity, and it gives you a, like, it, there's a lot of drive through it to sort of achieve and do well, and, and I enjoy that. And the second one is sort of, uh, more just uh, probably, ooh, let's see, one of Chopin's Nocturnes, I think, because okay. I tend to have a slightly, I tend to focus on the slightly more melancholic aspect aspects of, of songs and life and, and sort of muse on them. Um, uh, and, and so I, I relate more to that than the other. But that, cool. it, I, hopefully that answers the question. Brilliant. Well, that's an interesting choice. So thank you for both of those. Um, and so Nathan is joining me today because we are going to be talking about the Disney Pixar film Turning Red, uh, which was very big recently. Um, and it made um, a lot of airtime on TV and radio shows talking about the issues that it brought up. Uh, so we're going to be talking all about that a little bit later on. But first of all, let's have a look at this week in the news headlines. On Spotify, on Apple and on Google Podcasts, on your favourite app and on your smart speaker, this is Boggled Dogs. And we start with the Express. Bowel cancer symptoms don't be embarrassed. Five key signs you should not ignore. And what they are talking about here, they report on the fact that BBC podcast host Deborah James made the heartbreaking announcement that she would be moving to hospice at home care after being diagnosed with bowel cancer in 2016. Then they say that bowel cancer is the fourth most common cancer in the UK and the second biggest cancer killer. And this is all according to Bowel Cancer UK. And they go ahead and they list five key signs that we shouldn't ignore. And they list them as uh, bleeding from your bottom and or blood in your poo, a persistent and unexplained change in bowel habits, unexplained weight loss, extreme tiredness for no obvious reason and a pain or lump in your tummy. Now, these symptoms are all based on the guidance of Bowel Cancer UK, the leading, uh, the UK's leading bowel cancer charity. Um, and we'll put a link to the website because it has got lots of resources on there as well. And there'll also be a link to Nice CKS, which has some other resources, um, including a table of symptoms suggestive of um, gastrointestinal tract lower cancers. And it talks about appetite loss, DVT, and also erectile mass found on examination. So all of that uh, will be in the show notes. 
Next up, it's the BBC and their headline, Chronic Pain, the Unbearable Condition Affecting One in Four. Now, this is a story, it's a recent article, and it has highlighted the burden of chronic pain with over 4,000 adults affected in the UK aged 16 to 75 years. And the article describes that this could be due to a physical cause, but often occurs without a known cause. The article draws attention to the fact that the burden of chronic pain can be immense with effects on careers, relationships, independence, and it can also deny people the future that they had talked about. The article's got lots of useful information for professionals as well as patients, including uh, NICE recommendations, which is not about um, giving opiates um, or paracetamol for chronic pain, um, but also it compares and contrasts this with the Scottish guidelines, whereby opiates can sometimes be recommended for short-term use only. The article talks about alternative approaches, including antidepressants, exercise, uh, taking uh, talking therapies, including CBT and community support groups. And the final headline is also the Express Vitamin B12 Deficiency Dr. Sara on the lesser known signs from paresthesia to glossitis. As vitamin B12 deficiency can stir up various health problems, being able to spot the warning signs could be the first step in the right direction. And it says here that the Express spoke to Dr. Sarah Kayat uh, about the lesser known signs of the condition. Uh, these include paresthesia, glossitis, depression and visual disturbance. Now, the article uh, recommends that if you have any of these symptoms, your GP might consider checking a blood test to check your B12 levels. Uh, treatment is by correction of the deficiency, either through dietary sources, supplementation or injection. Uh, the NHS webpage for B12 deficiency also lists these same symptoms, along with others such as tiredness, mouth ulcers and memory issues, and suggests contacting your GP to check to see whether a blood test is needed to check B12 levels. So I'm going to post a link to the NHS website as well. Boggle dogs. So Nathan, is there a story that's caught your eye this week? Uh, yes, there is. So I noticed a story earlier on this week um, in the Daily Express or the Express Online. Mm -hmm. uh, it was published on the 11th of May uh, and it's uh, titled High Cholesterol, Two Visual Cues on Your Face. It's a sign you have high cholesterol. What they're discussing is something that actually we see quite often in, or I see quite often in patients that come into my clinic and they, they actually might not really be aware a lot of the time of it, it seems. Um, and that's a sort of yellowish discoloration, uh, which can be quite lumpy, that usually happens above your eyes, sort of uh, in a line that mirrors the line of your eyebrows uh, on, your, on your eyelid, and sometimes along the side of your nose as well, which is called xanthalasma, which is spelled with an X. And that uh, typically means that you can have high levels of cholesterol, which, as we know, can predispose to heart disease. Okay, so do you think it's helpful for them to flag this up in the in the newspaper? Um, well, it's a uh, it's a sign uh, that we use in medicine. That's an it's a known sign, which is probably more important um, that indicates that this can be a problem, um, and it is something that can indicate that uh, there needs to be other investigations done. Typically, looking at blood fat levels and blood cholesterol levels, and quite often it can be a sign of long standing poor diet or maybe a uh, lack of exercise that could be addressed to improve someone's health outcomes later and reduce that risk of stroke and heart attack. So I think it's quite a useful thing to um, publicize and make people aware of. Yeah. And it's the kind of thing that somebody might read about and then come to us to talk about. So, so yeah, absolutely. So thank you for flagging that up. Nathan's going to be back with me in a few minutes time and we're going to be talking about the Disney Pixar film Turning Red. Uh, but first of all, let's have a look at the last week in daytime TV. 
And on this morning on Tuesday, Dr. Nigat Arif was on to discuss the health headlines. She discussed the Daily Mail story, where have the GPs gone? And she explained about the shortage of GPs before the pandemic. And then she explained how we've been firefighting since the pandemic started and how she's seeing burnout amongst her colleagues. Now, Nigat was fighting our corner big time and made it very clear that we are all working very hard, but that it's not sustainable as it stands. And she gave out the information for NHS practitioner health for NHS colleagues who are struggling. Next, she talked about the headline in The Independent, cancer referrals hit a record-breaking 2.7 million after pandemic decline, and she highlighted the ITV No Butts Bowel Cancer campaign and talked about Sarah Harding from Girls Aloud, who tragically died from breast cancer, and Tom Parker from The Wanted, who sadly died from a brain tumour. She talked about red flag symptoms and encouraged people to see their GP if they have any of the following, bleeding from anywhere, a persistent cough, unintentional weight loss, lumps and bumps, persistent bloating, night sweats and fatigue. So we might well get patients consulting with us about this. Next up, she talked about the Telegraph headline, HRT rations to three months as supply crisis grows and mentioned the menopause mandate campaign. This was after the recent Davina McCall documentary, which we covered last week. Finally, she talked about the Sun headline, Millions of Brits Dismiss Signs of Dementia in Partners as Old Age. She talked about how dementia is becoming more prevalent because we're living longer. And she said that we shouldn't be putting up with these symptoms. And she talked about GP COG, which is the online screening tool for dementia. So we might get patients coming to us having already done GP COG and giving themselves a score and giving that score to us. And I'll put a link to the video, which is well worth watching in the show notes. On to Wednesday and BBC Breakfast, Dr Helen Wall was on talking about eating disorders. Now she told us that there is a huge misconception that eating disorders are a fad or a phase and she said that the whole of society needs to appreciate this, not just healthcare professionals. She said how eating disorders affect all genders and races and that you don't have to be underweight to have an eating disorder. You could be overweight or you could be a normal weight and still have an eating disorder. Uh, And there has been a survey launched by MPs looking into the effect of body image on physical and mental health and whether people have used the NHS to deal with body image issues and how successful these services have been. Moving also on to Wednesday and this morning this time again, we have Dr Philippa Kay and she was on to discuss a recent survey which suggests how women are louder than men when it comes to snoring. Now she helped us understand why we snore and the difference between men and women and she shed some light on the changes that we can make to to help with snoring and went through products ranging from um, using earplugs to mouth devices. Lastly, she talked about when you should seek help from your GP so we might get patients consulting with us about this and I'll post a link to that video in the show notes as well. Moving on to Thursday and on BBC Breakfast the Manchester Arena survivor Martin Hibbert was on talking about how he was paralysed from the waist down in the attack and he talked about uh, um, living life and made a passionate plea for people to be referred early to the Spinal Injuries Association for support. He said that a spinal cord injury is life-changing but it isn't life-ending. Now, on Good Morning Britain on Thursday, Dr. Hilary Jones was on discussing a recent study 
presented at the European Congress on Obesity, Hillary discussed the study which suggests a link between obesity and the risk of dying from prostate cancer. He also went on to discuss how encouraging weight loss may help reduce the number of men dying from prostate cancer in the UK. And there's a link to the video for the article in the show notes. And then finally, we get to Friday uh, and uh, this morning again. And it's estimated that about one in 14 people above the age of 65 have dementia, with about one in six being affected in those above the age of 80. Now, they had music producer Naughty Boy sharing the story um, about his mum, who was diagnosed with dementia, and how it affects him being a carer for her. He talked about how he supported her, as well as how he coped with caring for a parent with dementia. He discussed how reaching out to to Dementia UK for information and support and finding other carers in a similar situation to him helped him through his journey. Dr. Sarah Kayat was also present during the segment and she discussed the main signs that may point towards dementia as well as support offered to patients with a dementia diagnosis for, for medical and social care needs. And I'll put a link to the video for that in the show notes as well. Ogle Dogs. And now I'm joined again by Nathan and we're going to be talking about the Disney Pixar film Turning Red. Uh, so what did you think of this and what did you think of the actual storyline regarding it? So um, I think what would probably make it easy to understand is just maybe if you'd allow me just briefly summarising what the story mm-hmm. is about and then Absolutely. going from there. Yeah, go for it. So it's an animated film um, and it's, it follows a schoolgirl called Mei Mei, who is from a uh, Asian family living in America in Toronto. And she's sort of transitioning from becoming a child um, into an adolescent. And essentially, it's documenting her struggles in terms of how she changes as a person physically and mentally. Um, and in some ways, that's represented by her being unable initially to control being turning into a giant panda which is associated with some uh, ancient traditions uh, and myths surrounding that family Uh, and it's about how she comes to terms with that in terms of her own personal change and also the narration of the story with regard to the the, uh, unintentional changes uh, that she's undergoing. In terms of what I I think of it, um, it has been widely discussed in the media um, in a variety of different ways, and I think it's probably easier to address them one by one. Uh, mm-hmm. So the, the first one, which is the one that um, has been probably voiced the loudest, um, but might have been done so mistakenly, I suspect, is that it represents the journey of a young girl transitioning into an adolescent and experiencing periods for the first time. Right. Um, and uh, the uh, uncontrollable sort of transformation that she undergoes into a red panda is seen as a sort of red being a symbolism of menstruation um, and uh, and demonstrates that. And then uh, it's been associated with it in a slightly negative way in that when this happens, she's distressed, she's alarmed, her family are alarmed, and there's a lot of panic associated with it. Um, and immediately in the film, she's sort of isolated um, and sort of left to, to deal with it um, as her parents come to terms with it. Um, but I, I think that might be a misrepresentation of what the film is trying to say, which we'll go into a little bit more later. Okay. Because it's interesting that you say that because as it, it had a lot of airtime about this being 
and and you know on the daytime tv shows and things i know it was certainly on steph's pack lunch and they were talking about how um it was such a great thing that they were talking about periods and, and this would start conversations about that but do you think that that this would achieve that do you think that that maybe young girls or parents would would come to us having started their conversation having seen this film i think that anything that normalizes processes that are difficult to discuss or that there's taboos about or that there's stigma surrounding is um a good thing anything that makes people more comfortable um, in approaching the people they care about or or health professionals if they're able to give help um uh, in order to to find out a bit more educate themselves about it and get help that they need is is good i think that in terms of whether that's the message the film is trying to broadcast that's open for interpretation my my personal interpretation is that um it's more about the transition from child to adolescent to adult and how you change your perspective changes how's and how that can conflict with uh, the aspirations that your parents have for you um and uh, how you thought life would be once you uh, became an adolescent. Okay. And do you think that that it would trigger conversations about that, which maybe that, that ch- children and parents maybe don't have conversations like that? Um, I think that that would probably be a more, a more useful way of thinking about it, perhaps. Um, uh, sometimes, uh, in my own experience in clinic, is I've spoken to quite a few young girls particularly who have been struggling with the expectations that school uh, and occasionally their parents have been um, placing upon them Uh, and they struggle to discuss that either because there's a lot of shame involved with it um, because they're not achieving academically because their peers uh, mock them perhaps for not being as they would be expected by their peers or, or not keeping up with their work. And um, they want their parents to be proud of them. So anything that gives them confidence to um, broach that topic is a good thing. And what about the the thought process that perhaps this is also a representation of neurodiversity? Um, yeah, I've heard that. And I think it's quite interesting. And I suppose that you could extrapolate from the film in that this is a change that the young girl may may can't help She's not in control of the effect it has on her to a certain degree, um, but she can and does learn to make adaption, adaptations that then allow her to control it somewhat. And it, for her, it's a journey in terms of initially learning her way around that and then educating the people she cares about um, in terms of understanding it. Um, I can speak a little from experience on this because recently I've been di- diagnosed as having ADHD um, initially fairly difficult to come to terms with, but explains an awful lot, for instance, about what's happened previously from my own personal perspective Mm -hmm. um, and has led to a lot of change that's been very productive. Um, And in terms of a direct representation of neurodiversity, I don't think that's what it is. But if it's metaphorical, I think it could definitely be construed as that. Um, And I think if it was used as a tool to... um, introduce it as a topic and teach it in terms of inclusivity um, uh, in classrooms or to be given as parents as a reference for how maybe to approach changes in their children who are neurodiverse um, and discuss them with them. It it might be a a useful tool. And so is this something that from your experience, if you had a patient or a parent that came in and they were saying they were finding it difficult to talk to their child about maybe a new diagnosis of ADHD, would you say to them that this is this is something they should watch together and then talk about it, or or is it 
is it is it up to that as a tool or is it or is it not what do you think i think from my experience um so both from working as a doctor um and and sort of counseling people on neurodiversity or potential diagnosis of neurodiversity and also prior to being a doctor i worked as a care for people with learning disabilities for about um, five or six years um what i would say is that there's a lot of misunderstanding and misrepresentation about the various neurodiverse conditions uh uh, just broadly speaking. And then, of course, there's a spectrum of that to consider, which further confuses how people interpret those conditions and how they affect people and how they affect those around them that deal with it. Um, and I think that as a specific tool in terms of understanding sort of definite symptoms of a condition, there aren't any there that I think are particularly outlined specifically with reference to ADHD, but as a way of um, sort of representing someone having a difference that is uh, out of the control that requires compassion and open discussion to understand, which is the key with neurodiversity and, and telling loved ones, I think. Um, it allows people to think about how they might facilitate that in their own relationships. So I think I'd, I'd probably use it in that context. Okay. And from your own experience, how would you change the process that you've been through to make it better for people? Um, so it's a, it's a complicated answer and I'll try and keep it fairly simple. I think there needs to be more involvement and education and education within education itself. So signs are recognized earlier of these various conditions, which is happening over time and perhaps is more of a refle reflection of how that was lacking maybe 20, 30 years ago, uh, when I was going through school, I think it's probably better done now. Um, and that would allow intervention and adaptation and acceptance to occur earlier and people would have better outcomes with neurodiverse conditions. Um, in terms of from diagnosis, I know of, I've got several friends who are diagnosed with dyslexia, for instance, um, which is another neurodiverse condition for listeners that aren't aware. Um, and that moment of diagnosis, especially if it conflicts with your self-image, can be quite um, upsetting, quite hurtful. Um, and it can um, really cause quite a lot of cognitive dissonance where you might think that you're not particularly capable of things. And so support around diagnosis um, is quite lacking. Uh, and that's from testimony from people I've known and also from myself where I found that you tend to be diagnosed and then people just sort of let you get on with it. And it can be quite a, a devastating thing to find out. And what kind of support is out there? So this is going to be very variable for different people. And of course, the support that um, people need for different conditions is different. But what I would say is that the one thing that everybody needs whenever they have any sort of challenge to their self-image or their confidence or how they thought they were um, when they found out that they are, might not be quite as they are, is that they just need some compassion and understanding and love from the people around them. Um, which is the main thing that helps. And that's the thing that I think that is carried through very well in turning red in that you can see that whilst her family might struggle with how she manages her idiosyncrasies um, initially, um, they come to love her for it, which is, uh, which is the best thing you can possibly do for someone in that situation. In terms of more um, sort of objective help that can be had, um, there's coaching available. Um, 
which you can sometimes access through HR departments if you're diagnosed late, which is pretty invaluable. Um, and also there is uh, counselling that you can access as well, um, which is slightly different, which children can access through uh, their school nurse. And here in Derbyshire, um, there is a charity um, run by uh, Action for Children um, that allows uh, children to have counselling if they're struggling with mood and anxiety, which are obviously um, sometimes intertwined with these conditions as they struggle through um, when they're unable to cope with whatever um, their particular struggle is. Mm-hmm. Have you got any any websites or anything that you can signpost us to? Uh, yes, I do. The first recommendation I'd like to make um and this is leading on from what i was saying before about um neurodiverse conditions being often intertwined with uh, difficulties with mood disorders and anxiety and sometimes actually those can mask the underlying neurodiverse disorder um is the build sound minds derbyshire um partnership which is uh, located strictly within derbyshire so it only will help a, a minority of the people listening i suppose but um, it is a good service for counselling for young children, so people below 18 who uh, are struggling with their mood or with challenges with their mental health and anxiety, which has become much more prominent since the uh, the COVID pandemic. Uh, and then the second resource, which is um, not particularly official, but which I found particularly useful, um, is a channel on YouTube called uh, How to ADHD. And... It's run by a lady who uh, is based in America who is diagnosed with ADHD, who helps to normalize everything and then explain everything in a accurate and uh, relatable way so that you don't need to be sort of medically qualified to understand it and you can gain some understanding of how you might perceive the world. Excellent. Well, thank you for, for all of that, Nathan. And and thank you for sharing your story with us as well, because it's it's been really interesting to hear it from your perspective and about how you've managed to, to sort of get through it in your experience as well. So thank you for, for sharing that. Um, and also thank you for coming on and talking about Turning Red, the Disney Pixar film. And thank you to all of your VTS group as well for helping to, to edit the programme today. Thank you, Nick. Very kind of you to uh, have me on. Cheers. Take care, Nathan. All the best. Bye-bye now. Cheers. Bye-bye. As always, I've posted loads of resources in the show notes. So you've got all of Nathan's song choices that you can click on if you want to. All the different headlines with the extra resources for those as well. Uh, There's a daytime TV videos. All of those are on there too. And then we've got the resources uh, from Turning Red. So we've got the the link to the the YouTube channel, How to ADHD, um, and also some extra resources for people who might be concerned about neurodiversity um, and um, so we've got some some special links there to resources um, for people who are worried that they might be autistic, including specifically uh, for women and girls as well. So all of those things are there. Um, now, some of the links are now in the show note description um, or in the show description on your preferred podcasting platform. But if you head over to the Buzzsprout site, then you can click on all the links that we've talked about um, in the proper show notes. And if you click on the transcript tab, then all the links are there for you to click on. And please do take a look because I put them all there myself and I'd love you to get the full interactive experience of the podcast and the easiest way to do that is if you google Buzzsprout Boggle Docs or you can go over to our social media pages and click on the link in the bio and we are at Boggle Docs on Instagram and on Twitter and if you want me to see something about Boggle Docs then please use the hashtag BD Dose and I'd love to also see your one sentence summaries of what you've learned by listening to the episode 
Or if you learn something mind-blowing, then please start your tweet with an exploding head emoji. Huh. Now, the other thing that you can do um, if you click on the link in the bio is leave us a voice message telling us about anything that you've heard or seen and think that we should be sharing, including things going on on Med Twitter. It's always good to have some eyes and ears um, beyond just mine looking out for what's going on. Um, um, you can even leave us a message about something that you've heard on Boggle Docs as well. And you can also email us and our address is bogglecs at gmail.com. Well, that's just about it from me for this week. So thanks again to Nathan for being a fantastic guest. And thank you also to the ST3s from Chesterfield and Derbyshire Dales GP Specialist Training Programme for editing the um, the podcast episode today. So everything that you have heard has been inputted uh, by them and passed by their, their comments and, and their ideas and everything. So that's all been there. So thank you to them for all of that. Um, so will we have patients consulting about chronic pain after reading about it on the BBC website? Well, maybe. Uh, will we have patients wanting help with snoring after it was featured on This Morning? possibly or could we have patients who've seen turning red and want to speak to you about neurodiversity uh, well now you've you're ready for them and you can take it all in your stride because you've got resources to help you uh, this week's boggle docs song of the week is the heartbreakingly beautiful gold forever for tom by the wanted i've also added it to the boggle docs song of the week playlist and you can click on the link to the playlist in the show notes too I'm Nick Kendrew and you can find me on Twitter at Nick Kendrew. That's N-I-K-K-E-N-D-I-W. And until next time, whatever you're doing when you listen to the podcast, whether you're out for a run, high to the Boggle Dogs Running Club, um, where you're doing, whether you're doing some chores around the house or on your way to or from work, then take care, look after yourself and see you soon. Bye-bye. Boggle Dogs. <laughs>